Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. We are in the book of Acts, chapter 20, uh, following the journey of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. And so I'm going to have you stand with me today, and uh, we are going to read God's Word together. And then I'm excited for what His Spirit's going to do here today. But it's going to be on the screen there behind me. We are going to be in Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Uh, Our text today is the whole chapter, but I think you'll get the gist outside of the one story that we're not going to spend a lot of time on is a guy by the name of of Eutychus. He falls asleep in church, falls out of a window, and dies, okay? So here's what I think that you should glean from that. If you fall asleep in church today, you might die, all right? I, I, I just, I want you to feel warned, and uh, I want to do my due diligence, so, you know, if you feel yourself starting to doze, don't say I didn't warn you, all right? (laughs) Acts chapter 20 and verse 17, we're going to verse 24, and then I'm going to pray. Now, from Miletus, he, that being Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I have lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only that I might finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray. God, I pray today that by your Spirit and by your grace, you might clarify in some of us the calling that you have over our lives that you want to use us, that you want to expand our influence, God, not for our glory, not for our success, not for our fame, but for yours. God, I remember the room that I was sitting in when that happened to me, and I thank you for the last 20 years of my life and your faithfulness to me. And God, I'm just, uh, just praying that you'll do something miraculous today and that you'll speak to multiple hearts, that your kingdom might be built and expanded in this city uh, for your glory and for our joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. So Acts chapter 20 is a, is a bit unique in that it's the only time in the entire book of Acts when the audience is a church audience. It's a Christian audience. Most of the time, the book of Acts is a historic rendering of things that occurred or a delineation of uh, a, a, someone preaching to people who don't yet know Jesus. And so it's unique in that it's one time when somebody is talking to the church and it is a leader talking to leaders. It's the Apostle Paul talking to the church leaders uh, at a church in the city of Ephesus. Now, just real quickly, Ephesus is a really strategic and important city in biblical history. It is the church that the book of Ephesians was written to. It was led by a guy whose name was Timothy, of which uh, the book First and Second Timothy were written to, and then after Timothy, a guy by the name of John, as in the Gospel of John, as in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, as in Revelation John, uh, those were the primary leaders of this church. And it was a young church 
that was growing and in the midst of a city that was known to be especially pagan and progressive. Maybe you've heard of that kind of church. Um, and so uh, today is, is a bit unique in that just to be faithful to the text, we're going to be talking to some of you who maybe have already committed to follow Jesus, and I'm going to be uh, hopefully challenging you to take a step here today that I think is an important one for you. And that step is uh, to step into the leadership and the influence that I think that God has for you. God saved me when I was 16 years old. I remember where I was sitting. I've told you that story many, many times. And if you're tired of it, I don't know what to tell you because I'm going to keep telling it to you. So uh, I also know where I was sitting uh, when God, I, I sat in a room like this and a guy stood up and he started talking about leadership and leading in the church. And I remember feeling like somebody had shot an electric volt through my body. And I, I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. I know that's what I want to do. I, I know that's what I, give my, what I want to give my life to. And uh, I remember saying to God, look, man, <laughs> uh, I don't know what he just said, really. Uh, and I don't know what it means. But uh, however you want to use me, I need you to get me ready so that I can be used to the absolute maximum of your intents and purposes and desires for me. And that was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And uh, it literally changed my life forever. And, and here's the presumption that I'm working off of. I'm working off of the presumption that there are people in this room today who God wants to say, you, I want you to give me everything and trust me with everything and step out into nothing uh, knowing that I'll catch you, that I have plans and purposes and intents for you. And uh, my hope today is that this is just going to simplify as best as I can a roadmap for you as to the way that I think that God develops leaders by his grace and his sovereignty, not only for the blessing of the church, but for the blessing of the city. And so we're going to spend a good amount of time today talking about uh, two things, what a leader does and who a leader is, what a leader does and who a leader is. And if those things interest you at all, like they do me, I would encourage you to take uh, notes and to jot down as much as you can, and uh, hopefully God will bless that. But before we get into that, let me, let me take a step back here for you. Uh, Paul uh, is a dude who's going from city to city. He is preaching the gospel. He is making converts, seeing God make converts. He is discipling them. He's planning churches. And then what does he do after he does all that? He leaves. He comes to Ephesus and he's there a brief amount of time. And he's like, I'm going to go preach. I'm going to make converts. I'm going to disciple them. I'm going to plant a church. I'm going to establish elders. And then I'm going to leave. Yeah. And God says, no, you aren't. And so Ephesus is a place where Paul spends uh, just over three years. It's one of the longest stays in all of his ministry. And he repeatedly says, this wasn't my plan. This isn't what I wanted to do. I was hoping to go here and God said no. I was hoping to go there and God said no. And so he ministers to this church at Ephesus. And it becomes really one of the staple churches in the New Testament. Uh, but there's three things that I want you just to, in a general sense, glean from that. Uh, whenever God says no to Paul, Paul decides that he is going to stay where he is and invest with everything that he has. Whenever God says no to Paul, God, or Paul doesn't kind of go off in the corner and say, but I really wanted to go to Macedonia. I was really hoping to go to Jerusalem, God. No, whenever, whenever uh, God says no to Paul, Paul says, okay, man, this, this uh, is where I'm supposed to be. And he prioritizes three things that I think are important for us. First is he prioritizes his calling. 
He prioritizes his calling in this regard. Uh, Paul knew who he was. He knew what God had called him to, and he was going to do that wherever God had him, no matter what was going on or where he hoped to go otherwise. Here's something that I notice. I notice that a lot of people, they don't know who they are, and so wherever they go, they're waiting for what they're supposed to do based on where they are. You know that's not a biblical idea, right? You know that God made you who you are. God called you to do what he's called you to do. He's given you convictions. He's developed your character. And wherever you are, that's what you're supposed to do. And so Paul prioritizes, first, his calling. Secondly, Paul prioritizes the community around him. We live in a culture right now where a lot of people, who do they prioritize? Me, right? God told me, God wants me, and let's be straight, I want to. God says to Paul, Paul, there are things that that church needs from you that you don't know they need from you, and they're not going to get from you if you leave. And so Paul prioritizes calling and prioritizes the church around him. And listen, I don't want to sound like a cult leader in this regard, okay? So let me clarify that I understand that there are times when God calls us to go other places. I am not naive enough to think that you will spend your entire life in Damascus Road Church and don't hear from me that you should never leave, okay? Did you get that? Okay, so don't quote what I'm about to say and not quote what I just said, okay? But, and, not and, not but, don't, don't disregard, and, uh, if you understand the church biblically, you understand that God always emphasizes the community over the individual. Always. He prioritizes the family over the individual. He prioritizes the congregation over the individual. And he calls his people to not say, what about me, but to rather say, what about us? What about us? And it, it bothers me, I'll be honest with you, not just that people leave Damascus Road, but that people leave Damascus Road and that their primary uh, motivation is, hey, what about me? And when you say, well, what about us? What about your calling? What about how you can lead and serve and bless this place? No, I, I, I need this, and so I'm going to go there. And Paul, rather than saying, Lord, I really want to go there, and when God says no, he doesn't say, come on, man, I really want to go there. He says, okay. And he stays and he serves until God says, you've given what you have to give, now go someplace else and do it again. The other thing that I want you to notice is that Paul prioritizes the end. Paul prioritizes the end. He prioritizes his calling. He prioritizes the community. And he prioritizes the end in this regard. Mark Twain said that the two most important days in a person's life are the day that they're born and the day they find out why. Now, uh, who am I to disagree with Mark Twain? But I'm going to. I think that saying the most important day that, uh, in your life is the day you're born is kind of redundant, right? Because you're not even having the conversation or listening to how witty Mark Twain is if you didn't have a day that you were born. Uh, I think that the two most important days are when you find out why and the last one. When you find out why and the last one. Simply because you didn't have a choice for the first one. Your mommy and your daddy decided about 10 months before you came along that you were going to come along. The day you find out why, calling and conviction, and the last day is a, a, a full-bodied commentary on how you invested and how you stewarded the day that you found out why. Let me give you an example. Paul was a guy who spent three years in a place that he didn't necessarily want to be, but he invested well enough that when you read through Acts chapter 18, he says repeatedly, 
I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and you all know it. The most important day isn't the day you get married, it's the day that you say goodbye. And it's how your wife or your husband feels about how you treated, how you stewarded that relationship. The most important day isn't the day you get hired, it's the day you leave. The most important day is the end, because you have invested well in all of the reasons that you began. And the, 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 the plan uh, that we often uh, center ourselves on is how to begin new things rather than how to end things well. And you do realize that if we're going to end things well, the end is just the culmination of a bunch of todays, right? What I want my wife to remember when she looks at me painted like a clown in a box will dictate how I treat her today and tomorrow and the next day and as many days as God gives me. The day that I say goodbye to Damascus Road, whether God moves me or God moves me, (laughs) uh, how you feel about me, how you feel God used or didn't use me is, is contingent on my preparation for today. And so Paul was a guy who planned for the end so that he could say goodbye well. And the way that he did that is that he made the emphasis, you, not him. And then he said, this is what God's called me to do, and so I'm going to be faithful to steward that as well as I can for as long as God lets me. And I'm going to be faithful to who God has made me to be, and I'm going to trust that's going to be for his glory and for his people's blessing. So calling, congregation, and, and, and planning for the end. So this idea then of, of Paul talking to these leaders, uh, a couple things that I want you to know about leadership in the Bible. First, is that whenever Paul's talking to leaders, it's always leaders. It's not the guy who's in charge of everything. And the reason that we have elders here at Damascus Road Church, I'm going to be real candid with you, is because nobody thinks that I can do it alone. Me primary, right? And I don't mean like the workload is too big. I mean I'm not competent enough. God hasn't gifted me comprehensively. And, and the aim isn't for this church to be made in Tim's image. The aim is for this church to be made in God's image. And so we need a multiplication of gifts, a diversity of perspective, a plurality of leadership. And that's why we have elders here. That's why we have pastors here. And so when Paul uh, speaks to this church at Ephesus, he's speaking to a a number of leaders, a plurality of leaders. Now let's talk about this idea of leadership uh, just as a definition, okay? Leadership is not, please listen to me, this is incredibly important, is not about titles, it's not about positions, it's not about flow chart, it's not about gender, it's not about age, it's about influence, Leadership is influence, plain and simple. Now, some of you are gifted uh, specifically as leaders, and your influence is going to be greater. But everybody in this room has influence somewhere and with someone, and wherever that is and whomever that is, you're a leader in that context. The question is how well you're leading and how effective you are at your leadership. And let let me say this, uh, the church then should be a place of multiple influences, of diversity of influence, of multiple people uh, 
emphasizing the, the community, emphasizing calling, investing into it so that leadership can happen in a natural way. The way it normally happens is that 10% of people do 90% of work because they have a title beside their name. It's not the biblical way for leadership to occur. And so if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't know if God wants me to be a leader, I would say to you, too late. You already are. The question is whether or not you're growing, whether or not you know you are, and how effective you are in it. Are you with me? Okay, I'm glad to hear it uh, over here. Anyone else? Okay, fantastic. Good to see you today. <laughs> Four things that I want you to note about what a leader does. Four things that I want you to know about what a leader does. In Acts chapter 20, and verse 28, Paul says to the elders of the church, pay careful attention to yourselves. The first thing that a leader does is keeps watch over himself or herself. How many of you guys have heard it said that you can't lead somebody where you haven't gone? Has anyone ever heard that quote? Now, who am I to disagree with another quote? <clears throat> <laughs> but I think that actually you can't lead somebody where you won't go. You can lead somebody where you haven't gone as long as you're willing to go there. And as long as you're willing to go there first. But the things that I can't lead you in are the things that I'm not willing to do. And so if I say to you, you really ought to love your wife as Jesus loved the church, but I have no interest in doing so. I can't lead you in that regard, can I? If I say to you, you should really be generous with your finances, but I'm not intent on doing so, I can't lead you in that regard. If I say you ought to parent your children in such and such way, you ought to work in such and such way, you ought to organize your life in such and such way, I can't do that if I'm not willing to go there. The other thing that's important for you to understand is that you can't lead anyone anywhere if you can't lead yourself right here. You can't lead anyone anywhere if you can't lead yourself right here. And that's the reason that when Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and says, here's what you need to know about elders. The qualifications, almost all of the qualifications for a biblical elder, a biblical leader, are character-based. Almost none of them are competency-based. Almost none of them are, can the guy preach a message? Can the guy lead a small group? Can the guy... It, they are almost all character-based, and character-based leadership means that I am watching my heart, and that I have people watching my heart, that I can lead myself. Most of the time when we think about leadership, we think about me leading them, right? Most of the time, whenever I sit across from, and I've been this guy, I just got done with Bible school, and I'm, I'm full of, uh, how do I say it at West, urine and vinegar, and I just want to lead something, man. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Man, just point me in the right direction. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed up about who I get to lead. And I've had a couple godly men look at me and go, easy, buddy. Tell me about your finances. Yeah, but I want to lead stuff. That's what we're talking about. Tell me about your rest. Tell me about your sleep. Tell me about what you look at and don't look at. Tell me about how you're eating. Tell me about your study patterns. Tell me about your friends. Yeah, man, but I want to talk about leadership. We are. We are talking about leadership. Man, I want to plant a church. Tell me about your wife. Okay, I'll talk about my wife, and then we'll talk about leadership. I'm talking to you about leadership. If leadership is influence, if leadership is influence, uh, 
to understand that the primary calling of a leader is to see his character deepened into the image of Jesus. If I'm not willing to go there, the story ends. And so if you're sitting here today and you say, yes, this is, this is it, man. This is, what I've been, this is what I've been thinking about. This is, this is articulating what's been on my heart. I would say to you, uh, how's your self-leadership going? How's your self-leadership going? You can lead somebody anywhere you're willing to go, but you can't lead anybody if you can't lead yourself. And so Paul says, guys, I know you want to lead this church, this young, growing church in this progressive city, and, and it's, it's good, and it's awesome, and I'm proud of you, and I love you. Keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over yourself. Number two, uh, a leader exemplifies. A leader exemplifies. Look at verse 20, or chapter 20 and verse 35. In all things, this is Paul speaking, he says, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we may help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. What doesn't Paul say? I've taught you. He doesn't say that. Look, y'all have heard me talk about this. What's he say? I showed you. You know, whenever Paul is speaking to his protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, he says two things to him. He says, first, don't let anyone despise your youth. Right? In other words, you don't have to be old to lead. Don't let anyone despise your youth. And he says, but be an example. And he gives him a list in faith, in purity, in conduct, in word. Be an example. A leader is somebody who is able to lead themselves, submitted to Jesus Christ, who if you follow them, you're following Jesus. They're not perfect. They're not flawless. In fact, no leader other than Jesus is. But when they fall down, Proverbs says that a wise man falls seven times and rises again. In other words, listen, I'm a mess, I'm a screw up, but I'm repentant. And if you follow me, you'll be following a flawed man toward the perfect man. That's what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. And understand that to exemplify, it's about two things. One, your life. And your life is the totality of what you love. People follow what you love. Listen, the way, if you follow me, the way that I can get you to Jesus is if I love him above all else. But if you follow me and I don't love Jesus above all else, I'm going to lead you to worship that idol. The reason that Paul could say that wasn't because he was perfect. It's because he knew what he loved. And so a leader, listen, is somebody who is keeping watch over themselves, able to lead themselves, whose life exemplifies, whose life is followable. And that following will lead you to Jesus. And, and here's the wonderful thing about this, guys. You can start that from anywhere, can't you? You can start that from anywhere. You don't have to be seminary educated to lead someone to Jesus. You just have to be heading toward him and love him. And so if you're sitting in here today and you say, look, man, I came into this church three weeks ago. It's the first time I've been to church in my entire life. I'm hearing about Jesus for the first time. I got a bunch of stuff in my past that I don't know how to do. And now you're talking to me about leadership. Here's what I say to you. You can just start today. We make leadership so grand and so romantic, and here it is, so unattainable. Leadership is just to simply head to a place that by God's grace you're willing to go toward Jesus and have someone in tow. And have someone in tow. And so a leader 
is somebody who keeps watch over themselves. Second, their life exemplifies following Jesus. And third is somebody who keeps watch over others. Acts 20 and verse 28, look at what it says. Be, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, that's what the God calls the church, in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Most of the time, whenever we think about leadership, we think about leading others. Notice that's third. It's third. It's not first. It's not, I want to lead someone. Okay, here's some people for you to lead. No, it's, it's first Am I able to lead myself toward Jesus by God's grace? Is my life exemplary? And then out of my life, what I love, not just what I say, keep watch over others. Keep watch over others. Listen to me. The primary objective of biblical leadership is the blessing of others, which means it's fundamentally selfless. You hear what I'm saying? Biblical leadership, the aim The aim is for the blessing and protection and provision and direction of others. In other words, if you get into leadership for what you get out of it, you aren't a leader. Not a biblical one anyways. Paul says, guys, I know you want to lead. Let's talk about leading yourself. Let's talk about living an exemplary life. Then keeping watch over others and why? Because he says that in the church, there are wolves who seek to, to, to destroy. And so leadership is to live a life that protects, live a life that points. It, it, it's, about, it's about others. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And then fourthly, a leader knows what is and isn't his or hers. Look at verse 28 again. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church, what? Of God. And how did he get it? How did he get the church? With his blood. Biblical leadership, listen, is to know that leadership in the church or leadership of God's people isn't owning, it's stewarding. You guys remember in the, the, the parable of the five talents, the master comes to his servants. He says, to one, I'm going to give you five talents. To the other, I'm going to give you two. To the other, I'm going to give you one. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to hold you accountable for what you did with my money. Listen, there is nobody who owns Damascus Road whose name is not Jesus. And to be a leader at Damascus Road, you have to be very clear that leadership is stewardship and that you're accountable. This time, it isn't mine. It's God's. And it's a question of how did I do in preparing so I could steward it well? Leadership is knowing, listen, I'm always vulnerable and so I'm going to keep Watch over myself. Leadership is knowing my life needs to be exemplary by God's grace. Leadership is knowing that leadership is about others and those others aren't mine to do with what I want. They're God's. And so when I say to you, listen, I'm excited because I know God has a plan for your life. In my heart, I'm saying, and I want to tell you about it because that's the point. What God says about you, 
how God feels about you, what God thinks about you, how God wanted to use you. Who I'm no one. No one. I've told you before, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy by the name of Count Zinzendorf. Great name, who has a great quote. Only one that I know of. Let me preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. That's a guy who gets stewardship. Listen, the idea of someone being Christian famous is stupid. Stewardship. Stewardship. Make much of Jesus. Let me fade into the background, die and be forgotten. Any biblical leader knows it's about you, not me, for you, and by God's grace, he just uses me or whoever as a part of the narrative to exemplify him as I seek to follow him. That's it. That's what a leader is. That's what a leader is. And, and, and it's somebody who just comes to God and at 17 or 27 or 37 says, this is all I got, man. Expand it however you want. Grow it however you want. But it's all yours. And I, I would, I'd encourage you today to just say to God, God, man, I got, I got a couple bucks in pocket land. But it's yours. For the rest of my life, it's yours. For wherever you want to take me, for whatever you want to do, and for whoever, whoever you want to have follow me. I'm, I'm starting today. Make me what you want me so that I can be a blessing to your people and glorify your name. So that's what a leader does. Who is a leader then? Four things that I want you to know. First off, a leader is brave. A leader is brave. 20 and verse 20, look at it here with me. Maybe it'll be up on the screen there with you. 20 and verse 20, how I did not shrink, this is Paul speaking, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Look at verse 27. For I did not shrink, says it again, from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. How many of you guys have heard of uh, an author by the name of Henry Cloud? He wrote a book called Boundaries. Really good book. I would encourage you to pick it up. He wrote another, I think, better book called Integrity. Integrity talks about, um, we a lot of times think about integrity being just a moral idea, and so I don't drink, smoke, chew, or go with girls that do, right? Um, and so, from my Baptist heritage there, uh, <laughs> um, or maybe I do, but whatever, that's a different story. Um, we, we only think about it just following the rules, that's what integrity is. And, and Cloud says that integrity is the ability to do what needs to be done. Whenever a bridge fails, what do we say that it's due to? A lack of integrity. Yeah, it didn't do what needed to be done. Uh, to be a leader, uh, to have integrity is to do, have the courage to do what needs to be done. We sang it today. It's uh, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Listen, if you're going to lead, there are going to be times where you're going to have to do something that you don't want to do. You're going to have to say something that you don't want to say. You're going to have to be something that you don't think you can be. And here's what Paul says at the end. I didn't shrink from that. <laughs> Here it was. I didn't, I didn't shrink from it. I, I went toward it. 
uh, leadership is oftentimes you uh, walking up to the cliff and looking over and evaluating whether or not you're going to jump. You know who you are. Uh, You know how God's made you. You know what he's called you to. Uh, But leadership is not the absence of fear. It's to go through it. There are times, especially as God sees fit to expand your influence, your leadership, that that's going to bump outside of your comfort. And and Paul says, when there were times that I I didn't necessarily want to say it, I still did. Why? Because I knew my calling and because I prioritized the community around me. Because I knew what they needed. Can I add one thing to this? Leadership is to do what needs to be done. It's to also, this is going to sound silly, but hopefully I can explain it, not do what shouldn't be done. Uh, A leader isn't somebody who gets to do what they want when they want. Not a good one. A leader is somebody who's willing to do what God makes clear needs to be done at the time and at a certain place. Kind of like when Paul says, I want to go over here, and God says, no, they need you here for longer. So he didn't go, he stayed and did. Uh, Equally, uh, the best leadership advice that I've ever gotten is if you want to be a leader, you have to be okay with being misunderstood. You can't always defend yourself. You can't always say, no, 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 yeah, let me, can I, can we get, because the enemy will let you defend yourself until the day you die. And so you surround yourself with godly leaders in that plurality. You emphasize calling and congregation. You emphasize keeping watch over yourself and seeking to exemplify. You emphasize stewardship. And when you come to those cliffs, you pray on bended knee with tears streaming down your face. And then you get a head start and you jump. And sometimes you splat. And then you don't defend yourself. You trust God. You know it isn't yours. You know that your walk with him is just part of your walk with him and you trust that the splat is for his glory and for your development. Leaders aren't people who cower and shrink and they aren't people who always... They're brave. And and listen to me. (laughs) It takes more bravery to not do than it does to, to do. You know, um, I've made I've made some enemies over the last fifteen or twenty years. Uh, sometimes for good reasons, because I'm a moron, <laughs> and sometimes for not. And uh, and probably some of the hardest nights sleep have been me debating what I can do to convince them to like me. And it's been incredibly hard to say, no. I I know why I did it and with whom and how and we jumped off the cliff and I said when I was 17, it was all yours, God, and so it still is. A leader has to be be brave. Number two, uh, a leader has to be humble. Has to be humble. Uh, Two times, Paul says, I didn't shrink, and then he says something else two times. Look at verse 19, 20, and verse 19. 
He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews, through tears and through trials. And then look at verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. You know, there's a, there is a, there's a humiliating thing about crying in front of someone, right? Like, you can't stick your chest out while you're crying. <laughs> right? I'm real hard. <laughs> there's an authenticity. Uh, there's a transparency. There's a genuineness about I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm afraid through tears. There's a kind of leadership that, uh, as I understand it, is, is reactionary. And that reactionary is, I'm going to be this kind of leader because I don't want to be that kind of leader. A lot of churches work like that. Why are you that kind of church? Well, because we don't want to be like that kind of church. And that kind of leadership, reactionary leadership, always creates a chip on the shoulder. And that chip on the shoulder is always egocentric. I don't want to be like that. You aren't going to convince me. Versus... Look, I'm trying to walk with God, and that's painful and hard and lonely, and I, I want to be brave, uh, but I'm a wimp. <sighs> Humility. Humility isn't to say you aren't something that you are. It, it's to know who I am and say, man, this is it. This is it. I've noticed over time that people don't want the most competent guy. They just want a genuine gal, right? And, and to exemplify uh, following God, you have to be willing to say, this is where I am. That's why I say to you repeatedly, I use examples about my own life that are indicting. Because I'm not a finished product. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess, because I want you to know that. And because I want to say it in public so that I don't get the impression, man, Tim's got his stuff together. I want to be genuine with you. I want to be transparent with you. I want to be capable of crying in front of you because I want to be humble before you because that's who my Savior is. Do you realize that Jesus repeatedly showed himself weak? Right? Jesus wasn't always with a big J on his chest. When he was tired, he, he went away. When, when he was disappointed, he said. When he was hurt, he cried. Humble, humble. Number three, a, a leader has to be generous. Look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, I coveted, this is Paul speaking, no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, who, who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Leadership that's based on what I can get out of it is not leadership, it's manipulation. Right? 
Paul says, and he uses the example of money, but we could use anything. Listen, I, I, did, I wasn't with you for three years because I was trying to get paid. Because I was trying to make a name for myself. Because I was trying to get an attaboy or an girl. Because I thought that it was a good stepping stone career-wise. Paul says, I, I did it. I did it for you. And so a leader is somebody who, listen, has to fundamentally believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because let me tell you something. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to give more than you get. And I'm not saying that like, oh, but woe is me. Leadership's lonely. And no amount of attaboys or girls make up for that night where you're trying to figure out how to make someone like you. If you want to be a leader because you think you're going to get something out of it, you are off on a bad foot. At least among God's people, right? Generosity isn't the kind of leadership that says, I gave you this, now what are you going to give me? Paul says, I gave to you because I believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. I know what I've been given. And so I give, not expecting you to replenish it. Trust that God will replenish. Please listen to me. And I, I'm, I'm going I'm to be as candid with you as I can. If, if you do not believe that financially, if you don't believe that emotionally, if you don't believe that with your time, if you don't believe that with compliments, stop, you know, do not pass go. And, and if you're sitting in there to, here today and you, you got that thing going through your, your body that's, yes, that's, that's what I want. One of the things to keep watch over yourself is that, that demonic idol of greed and discontent. And I'll, I'll tell you straight up, if you, if you don't give, if I can look at your checkbook and I see that you don't give, you aren't ready. If you always need someone to come alongside you and, man, you're awesome. You aren't ready. It's like painting a huge red target on your forehead for the enemy to fire at. Leadership is fundamentally generous or nothing. And so Paul says, look, y'all know me. Y'all know I didn't use you. You know I wasn't stepping on you to get to someplace else. Y'all know that I wasn't trying to get a paycheck with you. You know that I was among you to serve you. That's a leader. That's a leader. They don't say, I'm not getting what I want here, so I'm going to go here. I'm here to give for as long as by God's grace he empowers me to do so. I'm going to give bravely and I'm going to give authentically. I'm going to trust that God will do with that what he wants. Then look at verse 32 and we'll be done. Are you still with me? It's awfully quiet in here. Everyone's asleep. I warned you. Just call the medics right now. All right, verse 32. Now, I, now this is kind of the end, the, the final goodbye, the punctuation. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
I said it west, do you think that this is the first time that Paul has commended people to God and to his grace? Or do you think it's just punctuation? Yeah, it's punctuation. Why? Because biblical leadership always points people to grace. That's its aim. The aim of biblical leadership is never to point people to me. It's always to point people to him. And my prayer, guys, is that my, my legacy here or wherever is that Tim served bravely, humbly, generously for as long as God let him but always by God's grace and always for God's glory. He just over and over and over again pointed us to Jesus. Not perfectly, not always succinctly. <laughs> he just was desperate to point us to Jesus and, and, and sought to pour himself out generously so that people would know him. And then he died or left. I mean, if God would grant me that legacy here, I would, I'd be eternally grateful. Guys, some of you today, um, th man, this is your jumping off day. This, this is the day for you to say, God, I, I don't, I'm not sure how you've gifted me or who I am, but it's all yours for the blessing of your name for the benefit of your people, I'm completely yours. For some of you, it's to evaluate who God has already given you the opportunity to influence. A spouse, a child, a friend, a coworker. And it's to say, God, where, where in that brave, humble, generous pointing to grace, where in that keeping watch over self, exemplify, where am I right now, God? Put me on the mat of your sovereign plan for my life and pour me out for as long as you want. And then like I told you, my mentor said, when you don't want to use me anymore, bring me home. I'm completely yours. Every bit of me, from my feet to my head, let me preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Let me exemplify the gospel, die and be forgotten. Let me influence for the gospel, die and be forgotten. For some of you, today is your day. Whatever leadership capacity I have, it's in. Whatever gifts I have, it's in. If you're in here today and you believe that God's spoken to you and you want kind of some clarity around that, there, there's going to be folks to my left, to your right, who, man, they'd love to talk to you. And I'd encourage you to. They'd love to pray with you. Uh, if you're in here today and you uh, feel like God's talking to you, a great way for you to respond to that would be for you to come up and just remember the grace of God as exhibited on the cross. And then lastly, regardless of where you're coming from, regardless of what God's doing, just the opportunity that we have to worship him. And so, guys, I believe that every time that we come together, God wants to say something, and that we have an opportunity to respond. And so I'm going to have the band come up. I'm going to have you stand. I want to pray over you and give you a chance to talk back to God here in the next few minutes. God, um, I know that uh, whenever I was a 17-year-old kid coming from a broken home uh, 
and I, I sat in a room and I listened to a, a, a guy articulate the possibility of eternal influence, of leadership, of, of uh, the opportunity to speak the good news of Jesus. I, I just vividly remember feeling like, yes, that's, that's what I want. I knew you had saved me, and, and that, I think that was kind of the genesis of calling in my life. God, the reality of it is that uh, you still call people to lead your church, to lead the city, to lead families, to lead communities. And so I just pray, uh, God, we need more leaders at DR because we believe you want to build a beautiful family in this place. And so I just pray that you'd give wisdom, that you'd give clarity, that you'd call people here today to take steps, brave steps, humble steps, generous steps that will point people to you with the rest of their life. Um, I pray you do that in a powerful way, in a way that only you can, and uh, that we would receive it for your glory and uh, for our joy. Thank you, God. We love you. You've led us beautifully and wonderfully and faithfully. We thank you for that, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come quickly, your
on earth 